What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Cyber Law and Business Report starts now, only on Cranberry Radio. All rise. <laughs> Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now. Please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. we got a great show for you today on the 50th anniversary of the release of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album, which actually was my very first album. Let's see if you can think back to what your very first album was. Um, but... Sergeant Pepper is known for a day in the life where I read the has a line. I read the news today. Oh, boy. And one thing that's in the news today is world trade. And with the Trump administration coming into office, one of the very first things he did in office was to um, withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. And he's already served notice of his intent to renegotiate NAFTA. So trade is front and center once again. And we have with us Ari Giovanco. Um, he is the director of trade and international policy at the uh, Internet Association, and the Internet Association um, is a group of basically the largest internet players you can think of. Uh, and their mission is to foster innovation, promote economic growth, and empower people through the free and open internet. As usual, we have information on um, this topic, our guest, and the Internet Association on our show notes, which are at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. Ari, are you with us? Hey, Bennett. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Internet Association. Yeah, and and uh, as as you mentioned, we're we're representing forty of the world's leading internet companies. And uh, in terms of our mission here, especially in in terms of our uh, international footprint and trade footprint, uh, we're uh, promoting policies. Uh, that ensure information fro- flows freely across borders, 
uh, and that restrictions that are fundamentally inconsistent with the transnational free and decentralized nature of the internet uh, are, um, are, are, are not anywhere in, in uh, are, are being promoted across uh, all economies. And what, what's the example of, you know, I know this is, you have 40 of them, but what are some of like your top uh, members? Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're ranging from online marketplaces and e-commerce companies like eBay and Etsy and Amazon um, to cloud computing companies. Uh, again, Amazon, Microsoft um, and, and Google. Uh, we also have a number of sharing economy companies, um, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, um, but we're also a, a social media and, and advertising with, with Twitter and, and Facebook. So we really represent a, a, a broad uh, set of internet companies um, that, are, that are really front and center right now in terms of how uh, we are powering trade around the world and uh, how we're exporting more U.S. goods and services to, uh, to uh, markets. And so in, in approaching trade issues, and just by way of background, you, you came to um, the Internet Association from the United States Trade Representative's Office, correct? Yeah, yeah. I spent uh, spent a little bit of uh, time over there. So explain for people who are unfamiliar, what, what is the role of that office? Yeah, sure. Uh, so USTR is is essentially a an office that was created by Congress that – um, brings together all of the executive branch expertise on trade and runs an uh, interagency process to uh, not only formulate uh, and negotiate uh, U.S. positions on trade and U.S. positions in international trade agreements, but also enforces our uh, trade laws and rules and then also ensures that countries are complying with their commitments. Um, so, and I, I mentioned Congress in there because it's it's funny, we have this constitutional quirk where Congress is actually the one who uh, is designated for um, changing tariff levels and um, the executive branch has the role of negotiating with uh, with foreign partners. So uh, USTR serves as a very unique role um, that is able to both uh, bridge kind of that, that uh, authority that Congress has, authority the executive branch has, um, and really work on behalf of uh, American exporters to uh, create jobs and, and promote economic growth. And so coming um, to the association from USTR, clearly the, the association wanted to make a statement and trade. And um, what are the priorities of the Internet Association in digital trade? Yeah, that's great, and I think that we, um, yeah, we've seen some some good progress on digital trade coming out of um, USTR. I think um, if we look back even ten years ago, uh, a lot of these issues were not uh, front and center, and I think that um, probably partially due to our a lot of our member companies uh, beginning to get active on these issues, uh, and then also seeing how the greater U.S. economy and the the direction that it was moving into an increasingly digitized digital economy, uh, I think that uh, the, the U.S. government started to pay a larger, pay larger attention to the, uh, the role of, of digital trade. So um, here at IA, we're, we're focused on a, on a number of issues, but um, running through really our top priorities, we're looking at 
um, ensuring that data flows freely across borders, data and information. Um, we're looking at promoting balanced intellectual property or balanced copyright uh, frameworks uh, uh, in our in our trade agreements. And then we're also looking at some other issues that affect online enabled small sellers that may use eBay or Etsy or Amazon mm-hmm. uh, in the customs and trade facilitation world that uh, we would want to make sure that folks who are selling uh, small packages online uh, and many of those sellers end up uh, exporting, we want to make sure that they aren't put at a disadvantage because uh, they are smell- selling smaller amounts of products and, and, and smaller amounts of goods. Now, when you were at USTR, were you involved in the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement? So I was, uh, I was over there, and I, I did most of my work on the Trade Promotion Authority Bill that was negotiated with Congress, which was the, uh, the lead-up to uh, completing the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, and I was, uh, I, I was part of, of some of the conversations having to do with TPP, um, but again, my main focus was uh, was the Trade Promotion Authority Bill, and and that bill was to enable. Th- there's a unique process for trade agreements involving fast track that where it's just an up or down vote with no amendment. Is that is? Could you explain yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, <coughs> how how this uh, authority has been delegated from Congress to the executive branch? Uh, what they did was uh, was write a piece of legislation that laid out a number of negotiating objectives that the uh, Congress prioritized for the administration in negotiating trade agreements. And in turn, if those, uh, those objectives are met and a number of other consultation requirements are met along the way, the final product, the final free trade agreement would receive an up-down vote, as, as you mentioned, in Congress. And that's the whole. The whole benefit is then, it doesn't get. You don't have negotiations having to keep go back and forth to the negotiating table, because you know Senator from Wisconsin added something about cheese or or whatever. Yeah, it's um, it it does it does uh, give give a lot of that uh, uh, authority to to the USTR and uh, the executive to make those decisions. And yeah, it, to think about a process on the floor of the house or the senate where there's individual amendments having to do with individual issues uh, throughout the the entire agreement uh it's harder for a foreign uh partner to make commitments at a negotiating table without uh with 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 the threat essentially of of possibly losing uh some of those commitments in a in a future congressional debate right i mean it's it's almost like negotiating with only half of a siamese twin you know, yeah. um, he, he can't he can't deliver now. The, so the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement or TPP. Can you give us just a, a brief overview of it and and why? What is your understanding? Why the Trump administration pulled out? Yeah. So from the from the internet industry's perspective, TPP was was the first agreement to to touch on many of the issues that we're we're seeing as as central to to how our companies and the small businesses and traditional industry companies that use our, our companies to export. It was really the first time that a lot of the issues uh, were considered in a free trade agreement. So uh, for the first time, there was uh, prohibitions on server localization. Uh, there were uh, uh, provisions to promote the free flow of data. 
in the copyright context, uh, there not only was um, uh, copyright safe harbors, uh, but there was also uh, exceptions and limitations to fair use, which, as you know, for for the digital economy is especially important. Yes. Uh, when it comes to some of the most simple, uh, um, uh, some of the, some of the most simple um, um, properties of the digital economy, such as text and data mining, or machine learning, or using snippets, or you know, short short links to websites. Uh, et cetera, to, to essentially power a lot of uh, our uh, most innovative internet services these days. So, um, so on top of that, there are were, there were additional features on uh, customs and some small business uh, issues that we were, we were pretty confident that as a package, uh, TPP was a, a positive step for the, the digital economy and the, and the internet sector. Um, the, the new administration's um, withdrawal from TPP is, is, is definitely uh, unfortunate in our view. Um, but that said, I think that there remains a, a lot of opportunity out there um, to, to help our industry abroad. And, and just to, to step back real quick, our industry is facing issues around the world, whether it's in the European Union, Latin America, China, Russia. There, there are a number of different issues um, and problematic policies that are being um, thought up and promulgated around the world specifically to target U.S.-based Internet services. So mm-hmm. to the extent that we're able to use trade agreements to help uh, resolve some of those issues – uh, we're able to maintain a, a pretty significant leadership role uh, in the digital economy from the U.S. perspective. And, and wasn't there also an element to TPP about, in in some ways, promoting U.S. hegemony in 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 Pacific in Asia? And in, in other words, if there, if there wasn't the TPP, the same parties would have done a deal with China instead of us. Yeah, I, th- I think to a certain extent, the, the TPP offered uh, a way for countries um, to, to update their regulatory regimes and break down barriers that had been uh, irritants for a number of countries uh, for, for a long period of time. And I think that to the extent that it was a counterweight to some of the uh, initiatives that China's working on, whether it's the, um, the RCEP agreement um, or some of their other regional initiatives that they're pushing forward, um, I do think that it was a way to balance um, balance out a little bit of the uh, you know regional trade flows and, to be honest, in in a direction to the United States. Um, right. And I think that that leaving leaving a TPP um, there is a void at the moment. Um, and other countries are going to work on filling that void. And now it's incumbent on the U S to move forward quickly with other initiatives that can, uh, potentially fill, fill that void. And I think that NAFTA is probably going to be one of the first places that we're able to not only work on some, uh, bilateral market access issues with both Canada and Mexico that have come up, uh, over the last 20 years, but we're also going to be able to look at new issues that 
want to try to set some global standards on. And especially with respect to the digital economy, there are a number of places where Mexico, Canada, the United States all follow the same practices and agree. Um, but other countries don't. And I think it's an opportunity for us to really show what a trade agreement can do for, for the digital economy and, and innovation in the future. And we're going to talk about NAFTA, but very briefly on TPP. Do you have an understanding or have has the Trump administration ever really articulated why they're withdrawing from TPP? What what particular provisions or features of, of the pact were um, problematic? Yeah, I, I, I think that we'll, we'll leave it to their explanations of how uh, how they, uh, you know, talked about leaving TPP. Um, again, I think from our perspective, there were a number of, of really positive elements to the agreement. Um, and I, I think that we're, um, we're going to be looking to carry, carry some of those positive elements that we saw in TPP forward uh, into future agreements. And it's, it's, so going back, you know, kind of transitioning to TPP, excuse me, to, to NAFTA, I've seen some commentary that you know, there was, or, there was a, an update to NAFTA that was done, and it's called TPP. Yeah, I think it is, uh, it is an interesting one. And, um, you know, TPP was negotiated to stand alongside NAFTA. So to the extent that some may feel that NAFTA itself needed to be updated, it, it didn't 100% get at that. But you're, you're right that, you know, met I mean, much Mexico of, is a party, Canada is a party. And and so they, especially on the digital front, all these issues have been negotiated, which would seem to suggest that, at least on the digital side, these issues might might go smoothly. Well, that's that's our hope, and we've we've actually heard a lot of uh, a lot of positive digital trade rhetoric coming out of the administration during Ambassador Lighthizer's confirmation hearing in the Senate Finance Committee. He spoke about digital trade. Digital trade was was included in the public consultation notice for NAFTA that was launched just in the last few weeks. So we are we are optimistic that this is something that's being highlighted uh, going into the negotiations, um, and that there is a good a good blueprint for for what can be done. You know, in terms of of what was able to be uh, finalized in TPP, you have to also remember that. Some of the countries pushing against some of the language that we were able pushing for or pushing against some of the language that we were able to get on digital trade, they might not be part of the negotiation anymore. Mexico and Canada um, were were not always the ones who were looking to uh, amend what the data flow language was or amend mm-hmm. what the copyright language was. Um, they they uh, a lot of that was was other countries. So to the extent that we can. Um, kind of take a step back and and look where some of these countries may have been before you put it through the the twelve party negotiation of a TPP. Um, you actually might be able to end up with some more uh, positive outcomes on on a NAFTA modernization. Interesting. Um, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about NAFTA and other trade agreements after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. 
how much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Circle. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Synergize your search engine education from 101 to rock star level. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. The best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And it's NAFTA at 25 after. And, uh, so welcome back. We're talking about the North American Free Trade Agreement. And um, we're talking, we just talked about why um, there's some opportunities here. What, um, Ari, what do you think the administration is seeking to gain in renegotiating NAFTA? Well, j- just to step back real quick on what, the digital economy and the internet sector can offer. We're, we're currently responsible for 6% of US GDP uh, and nearly 3 million American jobs. And um, our members are actually helping power a massive $159 billion digital trade surplus for the United States. So right now, uh, trade surpluses are a, a big conversation with the, the Trump administration. And I actually think that our industry has one of the, the better stories. And, um, you know, 70% of our uh, member companies' users are overseas, and 50% of the revenues are, are generated abroad. And, and, and with the vast majority of our members, those, are, those mean well-paying jobs here in the United States. So I think that, on the whole, we really have a, a, a great story to tell uh, in this sector. And and in terms of what we're, we're looking at uh, for NAFTA, you know, NAFTA, when it was negotiated in the early 90s, online marketplaces, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, the cloud, 
precision agriculture, machine learning. These were all science fiction. And I, I do think that we have uh, the potential here um, to, to create new opportunities, uh, not only for our member companies here in the United States, but uh, for a whole new wave of innovative industries in both Canada and Mexico. Is there any precedent for um, a major trade agreement like NAFTA being renegotiated by either the United States or, or one of our partners? Yeah, I think uh, I'll I'll have to look back at the the history books on that one. I, I to my knowledge, um, there is. I mean, there's uh, along over time, there's been some updates to um, to some of our international agreements, but sure. uh, in terms of some of our larger. Uh, FTAs, at least in the United States, it hasn't happened before. Um, internationally, you'll have to you know have to look that one up. And, and and so, what do you think is driving this effort? Yeah, I think that there's uh, a, a number of different issues that have arisen over the years that have uh, ended up making NAFTA. Um, a, a, you know, scapegoat for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, whether it's a overall thrust of globalization uh, or a you know, decrease in, in manufacturing jobs, I think that it has been, um, there has been a question of, of if the benefits of a, a NAFTA have been uh, broad and, and hit every sector of our economy. Um, that said, you know, with a sector like ours that that wasn't part of this process 20 years ago and wasn't around and, and uh, a sector like ours that's actually helping traditional industry, there's a there's a good data point that 75 uh, percent uh, of the economic benefits of the Internet are actually uh, realized by by traditional industries. And, and many of those are, are small businesses. So I think that that to the extent that our industry can be part of the solution for some of these ills that, that um, some folks have seen over, over the, the last few decades. Uh, we're, we're looking towards um, being part of the solution. It's interesting because you know, during the NAFTA debate, you know, there's the famous uh, debate with Vice President Gore and Ross Perot with his famous quote, you know, that that giant sucking sound you'll hear is American jobs going to Mexico. You know, there was a certain um, attack on it. And then and then since it's been passed, you know, there's this NAFTA has sent all our jobs to Mexico or to China. And when the analysis that's con conducted is is actually fairly, you know, meh, <laughs> so to speak, in that this. It, it may have had some small benefit into U.S. jobs, um, no evidence that really that it was what was sending jobs overseas. But the, the collateral benefit was also it may have you know, stabilized the Mexican economy, which is important for us, you know, geopolitically having uh, a company, a country on our border that before NAFTA had, had gone through or had some you know, financial crises. Yeah, I, th I think there, there's there's no doubt that um, that the the benefits could be spread broader. Um, but you know, in terms of of again, you know, we can look at manufacturing, uh, and the ITC put out a, a number a few years ago that you know online sales actually helped um, manufacturers leverage exports by eighty six point five billion dollars in products and services. So. Wow. Again, we're we're wanting to be 
uh, a part of the solution here. And uh, I think that that this renegotiation or modernization uh, could end up um, being a way to, to do that. So right now we're in a process where the administration has to give 90 days notice to Congress, which which is part of the legislation. I believe you worked on it, USTR, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. So it's a 90 day consultation phase. Uh, during that phase right now, it's uh, consultations with Congress, but then also with the public. So there's already been a, a Federal Register notice that has sought comments from the public on a NAFTA modernization and then also has scheduled a public hearing that will take place. Uh, and then on top of that, there's, a, there's actually this is new for the TPA uh, bill from 2015 that 30 days before the administration is, is set to start negotiations, they actually have to release negotiating objectives from the U.S.'s perspective. So we are going to get a, another look at what the administration may may be seeking uh, a little bit closer. I think that, that would probably land sometime around around uh, July 15th or so. Now, if, if I was, let's see, NAFTA would be 25 years old. If I was 25 years into a relationship uh, and I, I told my wife that, um, honey, I'd, I'd like to renegotiate. I can't imagine that that would be a very positive dinner discussion. How how are Canada and Mexico taking that? Yeah, I think that they're they're uh, they've both started their own domestic consultation processes on what a modernization would look like. I I think that they both both Canada and Mexico understand how integrated. North America is at this point, and that the the benefits of walking the benefit benefits that you would lose from walking away from something like NAFTA are immeasurable. So, to the extent that they're they're wanting to find places um, to to cooperate and and work together on a on a modernization, I think they're looking for that. But I think we also need we we can't forget that they're they're going to be looking for wins uh, on their side too. So. To the extent that there's going to be other issues that we may not uh, see um, as as big issues domestically here in the United States, we do have to remember that there there are going to be asks from the the Mexican and Canadian sides that uh, our U.S. domestic industries might not be as comfortable with. Are you aware of any of them that, that might come up? I you know it, there's probably some agriculture issues and and some issues in, in manufacturing out, outside the space of the digital economy. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave it to those those groups to work on. Maybe the Canadians may want to negotiate getting the Stanley Cup back. But uh, it it just so people understand this process, it's not like people just go off for a weekend. You get you know Canadian reps, Mexican reps, and American reps. And they iron out something over a weekend. This is a prolonged process that takes, you know, a year or more. Is that correct? You know, it 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 can be as long or as short as there's political will for. And I, I actually, what I've heard is that this is something that the Trump administration is trying to get a quick win on. And uh, there's even talk about trying to get this completed by the the end of the year. And in, in my view, that's in, incredibly ambitious. But if there is the will, and this this is bumped up to a very senior level 
very quickly and there's there's presidential interest in getting this done from all three countries i think that it, that it is something that that could potentially happen interesting yeah because right since you already mentioned the the 90-day process so that means we're starting what something in negotiations won't start till august or something like that yeah that that's right and and you know to the extent that much of this will be scoped out it's either already scoped out or or will be scoped out in the next uh, uh, next few months here, um, but I do think that there there are um, targets already of what what the modernization would look like. And again, we're we're um, feeling optimistic that digital trade is one of them. But again, we need to we need to define what digital trade is for an after uh, modernization because um, a lot of folks out there see digital trade as just a cross border data flow issue. Um, for us, we're obviously going to see it from a larger perspective of the, the broad set of, of laws and policies that have helped the Internet grow domestically here in the United States. And, and, and one place that, that it is worth mentioning that I think we would be really happy to see an update um, would be on intermediary liability. And that's, that's uh, in U.S. law, that is the, the Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act. Yes, is a, a speech safe harbor for third-party uh, posted content on the internet. So, right now, so go ahead, Bennett. No, so is there is there any areas in Canadian or Mexican law that are not harmonious with that? So, so right now we haven't identified a a place that is counter to what our CDA two hundred and thirty does in the United States. But I do think that this is a place that we need to look at the the global atmosphere on the issue. And we are seeing uh, China, Russia, India, Turkey, we're seeing um, online services shut down for a number of different reasons having to do with content that uh, third parties are posting that may be identified as defam defamatory or um, political speech that's not uh, within the, the um, confines of, of the current leadership and their their uh, levels of respectability, um, it, it really it starts to hit a lot of different places. And then what it means practically is that services that rely on user-based reviews to uh, advertise products and services that are being sold through e-commerce platforms, it ends up uh, essentially blocking or significantly limiting those platforms in the, the market. So I think that we need to look at an issue like this in, in the NAFTA modernization context as a way to um, really show some global leadership and, and start establishing a new international norm in this space that is in line with what we have in the United States. And, and other countries around the world do have intermediary liability safe harbors, but um, we're seeing those threatened every day, and there's pieces of legislation all over the world that would would undo uh, again a, a really central uh, component of of the policy structure for the internet economy. Now, now very briefly, uh, alongside TPP, there were negotiations on the trade and services agreement. Are are those still going on? Yeah, so TISA, and, and that was uh, a, another really great opportunity for the, for the Internet sector um, to work on a services-specific uh, agreement. Um, to, our, to our understanding right now, TISA has not been shelved, but there, there hasn't been a reactivation of negotiations since, since uh, January. 
Okay. So it's uh, it's still still out there, and our our industry is still uh, very supportive of what what that agreement intends to accomplish. And um, you know, it's 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 hung up on some some pretty central issues for our for our sector, and and one of them is uh, is is data flow issues. And I think that really to to pull TISA uh, together in the future here, we're going to need to see some some more. Uh, commitments, uh, especially from some of our partners like the European Union, on data flows and and server localization issues. It has been. It was launched in April 2013. So just give you a sense of how long these things can take. You know, the, so five. You know, four years later. You know, we're, we're, this this still hasn't been done, um, which that reflects, I guess, political will and a number of maybe complexity. Yeah, I think that with with TISA, I think there's 23 parties that includes the European Union. So there's a there's a lot of partners at the table there, um, which which make it make it more complex. But it's exactly right. These uh, these these agreements are not negotiated overnight, and they they do take time to uh, really really get them into a, a place where um, not only uh, parties are are agreeing, but um, industries are, are satisfied with where uh, where the agreements are, are landing. Now, when the Trump administration was coming into office, there was a lot of speculation about potential trade wars, and one one potential war was was viewed with Mexico over NAFTA and the wall. But a, mo- a more common you know fear was a trade war with China because you know, Trump had declared he was going to label China a currency manipulator and that they're very unfair in their trade practices. And it seems that as he's come into office, he's backed away from that confrontation of China in the trade arena. Is, is that your assessment? Yeah, I think that so, so far it's, it seems like there's been a, a positive uh, new relationship uh, on the trade front that's been, been established with the Chinese. There was, um, there was a uh, new uh, strategic uh, comprehensive initiative that was put together earlier in the year um, that actually talked about a, a 100-day plan to resolve a number of bilateral trade issues. So I think that there, there some of the fears early on of, of this relationship being um, being damaged significantly aren't, aren't really um, coming to fruition right now. Um, but to the extent some of the... Um, some of the policy work that's being done in specifically to this hundred day plan, uh, unfortunately leaves a lot of the technology and internet sector out of it. So from our perspective, we're, we're looking for, um, for a little bit more movement on some pretty, uh, pretty big issues. And actually tomorrow, um, June 1st, the, uh, Chinese cybersecurity law comes into force. And that has been a law that has been, um, followed very closely by our industry. Uh, we have made our uh, concerns with it uh, well known for, for since it was in draft form. Um, and it is something that will be highly problematic for our industry um, for a, a number of different reasons, whether it's the free flow of data or uh, forced data residency or forced technology transfers. Uh, there are a number of different pro- problematic elements of this, this cybersecurity law that we um, we're going to have to uh, now now work within uh, as it goes into force tomorrow. On top of that, some of what we're seeing out of China on the cloud computing side 
um, is putting our U.S. cloud service providers at a, a significant disadvantage uh, if you compare them to the Chinese cloud service providers. Uh, and unfortunately, what we're seeing is that China, through a number of different problematic regulations, uh, requiring U.S. cloud services to transfer high-value intellectual property, um, re, you know, to basically transfer specialized software and hardware, racks and servers and routers and switches uh, to Chinese companies as a condition of operating in that market. So um, we would love to see these uh, issues worked on in that 100-day uh, plan that the administration has, has talked about. And uh, to be honest, I think for that plan to be credible, we have to see some movement on these issues. Well, my producer has a plan, and that's that we take a break. But when we come back, we'll have more on the digital trade after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrands with a Z for eBrands. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program. Located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. The best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back and we're talking with Ari Giovengo of the Internet Association on digital trade issues and we were just talking about China and he was giving somewhat of a, a hopeful uh, view that we may not be headed towards a trade war with China as had once been feared but there are a number of issues uh, between us and China on digital issues 
And just this last month, I believe, or it was March, the USTR released its annual report on trade barriers. And there were a number of trade barriers um, that were listed that were digital trade barriers with uh, China. And also the American Enterprise Institute is actually calling for a WTO investigation of China for some of its internet censorship practices. So how do you see this shaping up, Barry? Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's interesting. I, I've uh, I've read that that paper as well, um, and I think it, it brings up an interesting interesting issue that that really for a very long time um, there are commitments at the WTO um, that can be related to the the digital trade space that have not been um, enforced or complied with um, in, in China. So. Um, you know whether whether that paper that paper's a conversation starter or, or otherwise. I think that uh, we do need to look at uh, all of the different mechanisms and levers and tools that we have in place to to engage with the Chinese uh, to help um, some of these help help resolve some of these problematic uh, laws and regulations and rules that are in place. And just in comparison, the uh, the reciprocal access that Chinese companies has in the United States. Is, is completely open. We, we uh, the Alibaba and Tencent are able to operate in the United States completely freely. Um, there are no investment restrictions on them um, coming over and, and opening uh, d- different locations or building uh, um, server farms. All of these different things they're they're able to do freely here. Uh, while our companies have uh, almost you know almost an hundred and eighty degree. Uh, difference in their treatment in in China. It is striking, but China has this difficult equation. You know, they looked at what happened in Soviet Union with Gorbachev, which did political reform, then economic reform, and obviously um, it, it wasn't able to sustain either, and, and, and they were pushed out of power. So China has focused on economic reform with some slight political reform. And which is hard to do once you start getting in the internet because it's so wide. You know, the internet democratizes everything, and, and so for them, I think you know, having an open and free internet is, in, in essence, uh, they're saying you know, we're not going to you know have um, you know political controls in place to protect the regime. Yeah, I think there, there's no doubt that they've they've used some of their uh, different. Uh, policies to limit speech uh, and uh, to limit the activities online of, of their citizens, and, and I, I think that uh, in the long run, it's a model that is is completely counter to what we have in the United States. And and I think that what we have in the United States, you know, there's a reason why the United States has been the innovation capital of the world. It's because of the laws and policies that we put in place uh, over the uh, last twenty plus years. Um, that have really built our our digital economy here, and I, I think that while they're going to um, you know look at issues of, of censorship and free speech over there, they have to also look at the other side that they're limiting innovation and they're they're limiting the potential of that economic growth uh, if these uh, laws and policies go too far. And, and also, it, it, that's one element going too far. But there's also the element, other element is they can only go so far. 
they can't censor everything. It's they're playing whack-a-bole with the largest, you know, the most populous nation in the world. And you know, I I was in China a few years back, and and someone told me that even with all the censorship, they're only getting the tip of the iceberg, and that in many respects, the internet is transforming China because. All the stuff that's underneath the tip of the iceberg that's not being censored, censored is is really you know transforming China by having this you know for the first time robust debate on a variety of matters. Even though it may not necessarily be the things that the government is most uh, you know acute to, this still you know, the online community is developing. Well, we we hope that 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 development leads to a, a more open investment climate and. Uh, a more open uh, environment for for some of our companies to operate, and that's uh, that's definitely a, a hope of ours. Now, uh, how likely do you think that anything to make substantial progress in that area in the next twelve months is? Yeah, I think I think that um, we're we're in an interesting position. Again, we'll see what the the hundred day plan um, uh, comes out of that. You know, I'm not overly optimistic that we're going to be able to find a solution on the, the great firewall in this uh, hundred right. time period. Um, but I do think that, that getting some commitments that uh, we would build towards uh, opening up their, their market a little bit to our, to our internet services would be, would be very, uh, very beneficial. Now our trade policy is, is somewhat bifurcated that we do have the U S trade representative and the commerce department and it's, you know, secretary of state you know, reaching out to the world and negotiating. But then we also have a kind of a, a domestic trade organization focused, you know, the International Trade Commission, which looks at whether companies who are trading in the countries which are trading in the U.S. are trading fairly. And there's uh, just been launched at the ITC an investigation to global digital trade. And you know, what can you tell us about that and where you think it might lead? Yeah, it's um, yeah. The International Trade Commission has, at the the request of the U.S. Trade Representative, launched this three part uh, study into the effects of digital trade on the U.S. economy. And we're we're very supportive of of the ITC's work in this space. And we actually participated in the public comment and public hearing phase of of the first report, which will be released towards the end of August this year. And uh, overall, this is, this is going to hopefully look at uh, qualitative data and, and quantitative data where it's available to, uh, to, to show the, the broader impact of digital trade on the, the uh, overall U.S. economy. And, and we, we need that type of information. I think that this is not information that, you know, for years, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Commerce Department, the Census, there's a, there's a lot of different statistical functions throughout the government who have looked at trade barriers for certain sectors of the economy. Uh, and honestly, our, our sector is so new that I, I think that there, there, there are issues with establishing how we measure this part of the economy. And and it's my hope and, and Internet Association's hope that this process at the ITC will help build some more positive uh, data on, on what digital trade means for America. Now, we only have a few minutes left. Why don't you tell us uh, where people can learn more about the Internet Association and, and the digital trade initiatives in particular? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're internetassociation.org and uh, we have a, uh, you can, you can look at all of our different policy issues at the, the website there. And uh, specifically on trade, we have more information on a lot of the topics that I've discussed today, uh, including our 2017 national trade estimate submission to the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, which actually has a catalog of the top trade barriers that our industry faces. And I think it's, it's, it's over 50 countries around the world. So, um, so there are some great resources there. I also just want to mention that we're going to be releasing a a paper in the coming days on modernizing NAFTA for today's economy. And uh, that'll include a lot more information on uh, what digital trade should mean uh, when we're when we're looking at, at modernizing NAFTA. So I uh, encourage uh, listeners to go and uh, take a look at all those resources. Well, thank you very much on that. And we will post it on, on our blog as well to... Um, Along with the show notes here, so people can reference it. It's it's. I'm just amused thinking about what your meetings must be like with your constituents. That you know, you you, you learn a lot of negotiating skills. I imagine just with all these tech companies, you probably go through all these you know, negotiations on whose app you're going to use. Well, <laughs> no, it's a it's it's a great great group of companies to be working with. I think that. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a competitive uh, sector. So yeah, one day we might be using uh, one word processor, and by the next day <laughs> we're using a, a different one. So um, that's that's what makes this uh, this industry uh, as uh, interesting to work for as it is. How old is the Internet Association? So we we launched in 2012. So we're uh, relatively we're, young. Yeah, yeah, relatively young. They're they're um, they're. Uh, in, in terms of our, our policy issues that we're working on, we're not only working on digital trade, we're working on net neutrality issues and privacy issues uh, and, and other issues that, that pop up in, uh, in, in the public policy world here in Washington, both in Congress and with the administration. And uh, you, you're certainly having a voice. I mean, you're, you're getting a lot of attention. Uh, you recently spoke on, I believe, some privacy legislation. Um Pending in Congress, and uh, you and uh, like the advertising lobby were are concerned about some provisions in the pending privacy bill. So yeah, you've, you've become an effective voice for the industry. So I congratulate you sir, for you know having such success in just a, a mere five years. But um, I want to thank you for for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And um, unfortunately, next week we're going to be talking about one of your members. Um, we have uh, Dan Tynan and Brendan Christensen will be coming back, and they're going to be talking about the many controversies surrounding Uber. So um, that will be next week with Dan Tynan and Brendan Christensen. Uh, Ari, I want to thank you again, and it's been great to have you, and I hope we can talk to the association again. But join us next week um, for another edition of Cyberlaw and Business Report. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.